Hi, welcome to Uncle Salem Speaks. Uh, today I want to talk about the beginning of uh, my first band. Actually, I had a, <laughs> a rap group in high school, but we won't go into that. That was pretty fun, but it feels like it was a million years ago. Not that my first real, true rock band seems like it started yesterday, but there are times when I do feel like it wasn't that long ago, as it seems. Um, so yeah, I, has, I joined a band. I'm going to give a little bit of context before I get into this actual story that I think is kind of an interesting story. I'm kind of loath to talk about these kind of things because I'm wondering, like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like, who out there is wondering this? But yeah, it's just a story of something that happened in it. I think it's kind of interesting. So, I joined a band at the end of my teen years. And the band that I joined were all teens. Um, and, and we decided, well, to make a long story short, we decided to call it Free Will after a few other titles were thrown out, such as Confusion with a K. Thank you, Donnie Jones. Um, Bloody Mary, I believe, was one that the guitar player Chris Claypotch threw out there. And uh, I ended up saying, hey, how about Free Will? Because it's one that I had tucked away since I was a young kid. And I always thought it would make a great band name. Um, there was the slight nod to Rush, of course, but it was bigger than that. But anyways, long story short, we started this group. And it was uh, early 90s. And... Uh, the first day of this was in, I want to say, November. So, we practiced, we rehearsed, we rehearsed, we decided what songs we were going to play. We wrote some songs, and uh, we didn't have a bass player at the time. So, nonetheless, we decided, let's try to go out and get some shows, and uh, one of the guitar players will play bass, which... Uh, Don kind of got elected into doing Donnie Jones. So we went out and we decided to audition for some shows. And uh, we actually got a couple. And it seemed like they were uh, pretty decent shows for a group of kids that never played anywhere before. One of them was at the Swartz Creek Speedway, I believe. And we were going to play... You know, I don't know what they call halftime of the races, but whatever it is, intermission or whatever, only been there a couple times. Uh, we were going to play there down in the pit during halftime, for for lack of a better uh, term. And that wound up, we brought our equipment out. And we uh, This was around July 4th, so that's how far we had been since the beginning of the band in November. So we had it all set up and we were getting ready to play and um, people started throwing firecrackers down into the pit where our equipment was. And since our parents were all there, it didn't take long before we were all packed up and we didn't get to play that show. That was our first show. Uh, the next show that we had auditioned for was technically the first place we ever played out. And that was in uh, at a VFW hall. 
So they brought us into the VFW hall. It was just the four of us. And we had toned our act way down for this. So we, instead of playing, you know, some of the heavier things that we were getting into playing, we went back and we were playing The Doors. Um, we were even playing Sam Cooke. We were playing Only 16 by Sam Cooke. Uh, we threw in, it was three or four songs like that. One of our originals that we wrote called Strike, which is a song that I'm still pretty happy with. My my wife wrote those lyrics when she was a teenager. Well, she co-wrote them. And um, so, yeah, we auditioned with those songs and they liked us. We we're, you know, we were going to have a show. And the funny thing is they, they signed us to a five-week contract. So every weekend in October, we were going to play this VFW hall. For 250 bucks. Uh, it was pretty decent money for a one night show. So we're like, okay, filed that away. In between the time period of when we auditioned for that show and the shows starting in October, in between over the summer, we, <laughs> again, we're going to compress this big time because. We lost our guitar player, our lead guitar player, Chris Claypotch. And the reasons around that are still, he said, he said, and I won't go into it, but uh, he couldn't make the very first shows that we had uh, booked, which were now going to be at the back room in downtown Flint. So we had booked a show there. That was our very first show was going to be the back room downtown Flint, and that would be in August. So, band starts in November. No show July 4th. Next show, the middle, I believe, middle toward the end of August. And in between that time period, we had auditioned for VFW Hall. So we we couldn't, uh, the, the idea was that we would have to cancel in order to accommodate Chris's, um, I believe he had a fishing trip or something like that with his dad. It was obviously important to him, uh, whatever it was. I'm not exactly sure. It was more between him and Donnie. But um, our drummer, Sarah, she stayed on for a little while after Chris quit. And we brought in this guitar player named Randy. It was a friend of Don's. Uh, Donnie and Chris had been in a band with him briefly. So Randy Dunkley came in. And we found a guy named Ron, who was a bass player. And Ron was, you know, one of those musicians that can just, you know, he learned how to play like it was nothing for him. So we got these guys, and we rehearsed maybe once or twice with Sarah on the drums. And then she was feeling, I think, a sense of guilt about Chris. And she... Uh, I could be wrong about that. But that's just the impression that I get from what I remember. And us being a bunch of kids, who knows about the accuracy of all that. They could all have completely different stories, I'm not sure. But no hard feelings. She moved on. And we got this guy named Ant for the drums. Ant was also uh, somewhat uh, virtuosic, if that's a word, for his instrument. And uh, he could really play. So 
the sound is automatically a lot different. Oh, I need to give you this context. Don Jones was in a country band with his mom and dad. I mean, this guy had been playing guitar since he was, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years old playing professionally with his parents. I could, I could be, again, exaggerating that, but he was a little kid playing professionally with his parents. So some of the weekends he would not be able to play with us because he'd have to fulfill show obligations with his uh, mom and dad playing country music, which he was very adept at. He was very, also very adept at playing blues and pretty much just any kind of guitar playing. You hear this guy, and when I joined the band, he was I think he was 15. And you're like, what? For context there, he's playing the lead part of Heartbreaker by Led Zeppelin at a pawn shop. And he's a teenager. Everybody's gathering around watching him. So that was, <laughs> that's the kind of player he was. Now, quickly... I learned that Randy was pretty much jaw-dropping as far as uh, uh, his playing went. He was a little older than us, just a little, still a kid, basically. And the first thing I heard him play was D on an acoustic guitar. He was sitting on the steps at Don's house playing D by Ozzy Osbourne. And I was like, whoa, this dude right here can play. So we were pretty much set again and um but we had the show to the back room to play there's a pretty funny story in there too because i actually wound up playing drums at our first show but that's that's another time but we also had this lined up for the vfw hall so this is a picture for your mind you have a band that auditioned as maybe a, you know not soft rock, but just rock, pretty much straightforward. Um, I don't even think we used any kind of distortion at that audition. Actually, now that I think about it, I think Chris may have played bass at the audition. And Chris was more of a crunchier guitar player. He was more into the metal stuff. So I believe he played bass there, and Don played the clean guitar parts. Anyways, so we're getting ready to play for these shows. Uh, at the VFW Hall. And we have Don, who's a country musician. Um, he could play everything, but he was, at that point in time, he was a really, especially good country musician. We have Randy, long hair. I wouldn't call him a metal guy, but he liked to rock. Um, myself, also a kid with long hair. Um, and we had Ron was the bass player he was an african-american gentleman and aunt who was also african-american so we looked i think we looked pretty cool together the five of us but we also looked like uh i don't know what to expect from this crew in the first week we played it went fairly well they wouldn't let any of our friends in because so many of them were underage and it's understandable it's a vfw hall I'm more understanding of it now than I was then because I just wanted our friends to come and support us, you know, and some of them were trying to, including my sister. So we, we did figure out one week that if we, we could get her in, if, if we pretended like she was one of our backup singers <laughs> and she, so her and uh, my cousin Christy 
came in and sang on, I think, maybe knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> but that's an aside anyways. So the first week goes fairly well. We have Don there. We're playing Almond Brothers. Don's mom and dad were there. You know, we recorded it. I think I subbed the tape somewhere. We were playing Pipeline. Um, Wipeout. Always on my mind, we learned. Uh, stuff like that. Nothing too crazy. We did play a little Hendrix, you know. But for the most part, they liked us well enough. Now, the problem comes by week two. Because week two, Donnie had to fulfill a requirement of playing with his parents' band. That meant me, Ron, Randy, and Aunt had to reformulate this set list. Now, we've only known each other for a couple months. Much less not hardly have played with each other at all, aside from practice, which we've maybe practiced. I mean, it was a probably a decent amount of practices, maybe five or six practices, but nothing too crazy. Luckily, everyone was pretty adept at getting things. So we're making this set list based on kind of like, well, you know that song and you know that song. It goes in the set list. So like, you know, whatever, Freebird. Yeah, I kind of know Freebird. I kind of do too. Put it on the set list. Tell everybody what key the song is in. And let's give it a shot. And that was the rehearsal before uh, we played this show without Don. So we get in there. And they hated us. And I mean, they hated us to the point that the bartender was telling us by the time we got up to play the third set, because we were playing three sets a night, the bartender was telling us, just don't even bother. Just call it a night and go home. And I'm saying, well, we have a contract and I want to fulfill the contract. So we got into a little argument up at the bar. Um, and uh, we decided just to play the last set and, and, and head home. And the bartender finally agreed to that. Uh, he, she was like, okay, that's fine. We got to practice... For the third week, and we told Don what happened, and Don's like, all right, here's what we'll do. We're going to kind of reformat the set list. We'll, we'll play, you know, all these other things. And at this point in time, I just wanted to fulfill our contract, but I was also feeling like, man, we really probably shouldn't be changing everything that we're doing to, you know, just to... To make this gig go well. But we decided to be professional about it. Since we did have this contract. And try to to live up to it. To the best of our abilities. And, and make it a decent show. That the people might enjoy. So we learned a few more songs. Including a couple that. I don't want to speak of right now. Because I feel that I completely sold out. <laughs> to perform them. Especially one of them. It rhymes with poop scoop and boogie which are the lyrics I also sang. And we get there, we go through the show, and once again, you know, with Don back with us, they looked at us suspiciously when we showed up, but when we start playing, you know, it was back to what they had heard in the first week. So it went that way for the next week because Don didn't have a show. And then the last week, right before Halloween, we got to do it again without Don. 
and we just didn't know those songs well enough to play them without Don. Um, the newer songs that we had added and the softer songs or whatever you want to call it. But as soon as we walk in there, they were just so angry with us. And they were like, no, you guys cannot come in here and, and play. And at that point, you're thinking we have a contract and we've been living up to it, you know. And we got in another argument at the bar. I did, which uh, is kind of funny because I'm not a, a confrontational person at all, but I felt like they weren't being um, receptive to anything that we offered, anything that we tried to do. And I said, well, we're going to play this set. And, you know, we'll try to play what we know that you guys like. We try to play some Doors. We try to do things like that, you know, play some Hendrix. We're not just going to come out and play some of the stuff we might have normally played, like Pearl Jam and things like that, that were just starting to hit. So we get <laughs> we set up to play, and we're not even two songs in. And a guy gets up and comes over from the bar and says, look around this bar. Like, do you see anyone here enjoying this? And I was like, man, that's rough, dude. He's like, why don't you guys just turn all the equipment in towards each other and, and have like a little quiet practice for yourselves to live up to your contract. <laughs> oh, man, I was so angry at that guy at the time. I didn't swear at him, but I really wanted to. Well, we decided, you know what? Yeah, let's just fuck it. Let's just play what we want to play. We'll turn the equipment towards each other and we'll just jam out. So we play this super long set, probably about 90 minutes. Just any damn thing we felt like playing. Uh, we were trying stuff that we never played before. We were just playing all kinds of stuff. And they were just completely indifferent. Everybody in the bar was just like completely indifferent to what we were playing. So we go to take a break. And upstairs... We decided to go upstairs and sit around up there for our break, which was supposed to be, I think, 15 minutes off the stage. So we were supposed to be doing 45 minutes on, 15 minutes off of three sets. We played an hour and a half. So we were thinking, you know, let's take a half an hour. Well, the half hour stretched into an hour. So we were upstairs in the VFW hall for about an hour. And there's a piano up there. And I remember we were playing Let It Be. And we were just making this next set list, which we decided would just be another long <laughs> set, and then we'd call it a night, you know. I didn't think that anybody in the bar would care at all what we did by this point. They are just like, whatever, play your songs and get the fuck out of here. So there was, again, sometimes through these shows, some of our um, older fans had come and family. Um, my mom was there. Don's, Don's parents were there. But on this night, there was no one. It was literally us four. So that's important because there was nothing in the crowd to give us any kind of, <laughs> like, boost. Like, uh, oh, yeah, there's a few people here that like what you're doing. They just all hated us, and we hated it there, and we just wanted to be done with it. So we go back down, and we start playing some songs. 
Ant was by then just sitting there playing a snare drum and a and a hi-hat. I think he was playing everything on a snare drum and a hi-hat, just sitting on the edge of the stage. And we decided to just write a bunch of songs, and we're just going to play songs. Whatever came to our minds, we were playing it right then. <laughs> so we made up, I think, three songs on the spot, and we were just playing them out. Um, and the last song was called Eat the Fetus. It was completely just this stupid thing I made up just to try to, like, uh, almost like a satire of a hardcore punk song. Like, let's just see how out there we can get with this. So the lyrics were, eat your children, Satan is your friend. That was the beginning, <laughs> the beginning line. And, uh. I think Randy had played the, a recycled sort of dead milkman riff, but he was playing it really fast. And uh, so we played this song for about, I want to say, five or six minutes. And it was loud. It was heavy. It was this crazy, hilarious song. And, I mean, we're laughing our asses off while we play it. Because, again, we're kids. I can't put all of this on the bar. I'm not angry at the bar or the VFW hall or whatever. Because we kind of tricked them, not on purpose, but we had showed up with, you know, this completely different band from the one that they hired, essentially. But anyways, we get up playing this song, Eat the Fetus. It's the third song in a row that we've made up. And right at the very end of it, you just hear one guy sitting in the back, clapping. He loved the song. That was it. That was the only clap we got for the whole night. And it was at the end of our last song for Eat the Fetus at the VFW Hall. <laughs> so that's just one small story <laughs> in a sprawling set of several decades worth of stories of playing out in Flint. That The VFW Hall was also in Flint, Michigan. And there was, a, you know, there's more stuff that went on in, in that VFW Hall over those series of shows. But to me, that was just one of the funniest things. Uh, Eat the Fetus. Got our only clap of the night. It was from a guy, had to be, I want to say, 70 years old. Looking right at us, clapping, and just as, like, laid back, satisfied clap. Like, man, I really dug that. <laughs> so, yeah. One story in the history of uh, Uncle Salem's musical career and the starting days of uh, my first band, Free Will. So, yeah. Anyways, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. I'll try to think of some more uh, stupid shit that happened to us back then in the 90s. Um, it's not going to take long. I told you there's a story from the back room that's pretty damn hilarious. A couple stories. <laughs> The back room is, a, again, a club in Flint. But thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Take care of yourself and everybody else, and happy Halloween.
Oh. 